Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. Today's guest was so much fun to interview. Her name is Sid Greenwood. She is an incredible, badass human being out in Nashville. She is an amazing singer, songwriter, has the best hair I've ever seen, and has a really remarkable, inspiring story that I learned so much from just by hearing it all put together. Sid has been battling Wolf Parkinson's white syndrome throughout her life, which is a chronic illness leading to so many other things, including pots, different surgeries, losing her voice when singing was everything that she needed. There's a lot to her story that I am so humbled to be able to hear and learn from. And Sid is such a kind person that I'm honored to know out in Nashville. So thank you so much for listening to this interview. I'm so stoked for you to meet Sid and hear her story. And yeah, enjoy. How's it going? Good. How's it going with you? It's going good. How's it in Nashville during one of these strangest, weirdest times in the world? I mean, it's kind of insane. Um, yeah. With the tornado and the pandemic and all this crazy injustice going on towards the black community. Yeah, absolutely, man. I feel that it is a very, very, just very difficult year so far. Like we were talking a bit earlier about this and just about how like, I don't know, I was saying how like on New Year's Eve, I was so excited for 2020 and we were like, it's going to be the best year ever. And then I'm like, ooh, that was super, super young Jackie, (laughs) just like naive brain. Well, Sid, I'm so happy that you that you wanted to be on my podcast. You are such a cool human being. And just for anyone out there who does not know Sid, she is an incredible singer-songwriter and has the coolest hair I've ever seen. Just got to <laughs> tell you. <laughs> like, I want your hair so bad, and I just need the internet to know that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You're That's welcome. So very kind of you. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to hate my hair so much, and I've really grown to feel like it's a big part of my my thing <laughs> now I feel good about it but yeah, that's good. it was weird growing up because my uh all of my friends were all had blonde really straight hair and I oh. had this like little frizzy mop top and so it took a while for me to love my curly hair but I do oh, love no. it now well good <laughs> I mean I love it with you man it's very very cool awesome so you you grew up in Nashville right well, I was born in Nashville, but I actually grew up in a town right outside of Nashville called Mount Juliet. Okay. Oh, I know Mount Juliet. Okay. Yeah, it's like 25, 30 away towards going towards Knoxville, so east. Okay. Very cool. But you live in Nashville right now, doing all the music stuff? Well, I still live in Mount Juliet. Um, I'm in Nashville most of the time, though, but I mean, not recently because of trying to... I mean, everything shut down, A, and be my I don't have anything out there to do really other than social distance hang with some people from time to time so I don't go insane (laughs) yeah oh man it's so weird I feel like I've been living in 
a bubble, like this giant bubble over here in Birmingham. Cause like, I don't know when I left, I left Nashville early January, like before any of this happened, mm-hmm. any of it. And then I, when I got out of treatment, like a little less than a month ago, I'm just like, this oh is not God. the same world that I, I left. Know. <laughs> I'm, I've been thinking about that. And that has to be so bizarre. Like, that honestly has got to be the strangest thing. Like, you have this big moment where you're doing something really scary and really important for yourself. And, you know, having it be this thing that's difficult, but with this hope at the end. And then to exit that experience and come into a world that is the way that it is now, like, times 10, I'm... I applaud your ability to like still be optimistic and you know to want to continue doing this project and this work and it's just got to be hard after kind of going through this really intense experience yourself and then come back into the world and it's burning yeah hi I appreciate that it I have nothing I mean I've never left a treatment center before I like have nothing to compare this to and so I'm just like this is strange. This isn't normal, right? And I'm just like, I mean, nope. Just because, like, I don't know. In in treatment, it was, I mean, I was around everybody every day. Like, we had to adjust some things. Like, eventually we started wearing masks and um, kind of splitting up groups and stuff. But I was still, like, in this little bubble where we were all focused on the same thing. And it was like nothing else kind of existed. And then now it's like goodbye bubble hello uh 2020 pandemic world yeah yeah my gosh dang dude well Sid I'm so excited to have this conversation with you about body connection and whatnot because we've had a few like well we've had like a handful of conversations about mental health just on Instagram and stuff over the past I don't know how long I want to say a year but I don't think it's been that actually it's been at least two it's been two years? Yeah. Wow, two years. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess over the past two years, we've had some scattered, really good conversations where, I don't know, I feel like I've gotten to know you kind of through, I don't know, through the lens of Instagram DMs and <laughs> randomly running into each other. Yeah. But no, it's been great, and it seems like you have a really cool story, so I'm excited to I'm excited to learn more because, I don't know, there's just so much I just want to ask you from like a friend level that... It's going to be really fun to talk about. Well, I, I definitely, you know, I don't think I've ever talked about this kind of part of my, my story in this way. And I've thought about posting about it or talking about it, but it just never felt, it just didn't feel organic. It didn't feel natural. And I didn't want it to be... Um, viewed as like exploiting my sickness or anything like that so this is a really feels like a, a more natural way to do it as part of this project that people can listen to when they're already looking for this sort of stuff versus like looking on my page and then just getting this random thing about my personal life <laughs> yeah oh no absolutely absolutely man well I guess to, to start it off I want to ask you the question that I've been starting most of these off with, which is just to, I guess, describe the relationship that you have with your body. Oh, man. I guess it's been, as most people have probably said, love, hate. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that 
having um, a chronic illness where you're in a lot of pain makes you kind of separate yourself from your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it feels almost foreign to me sometimes. Like yeah. it's, it's not even like I feel I know that my body is my body and I um, am grateful for having this vehicle. But I view it like that. Like it is like a vehicle that carries around my soul, not to get super like woo woo about it. But <laughs> I don't feel that connected to it. But I uh, love and appreciate it. Yeah. Do you mind going into a little bit what your chronic illness is? Uh, yeah, um, I actually was born um, with a birth defect in my heart called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome. And basically, it's where you have all these little messengers in your heart, and they are supposed to gradually die off as you are in the womb, and mine didn't, so I had all these multiple messengers that were basically giving my heart mixed signals. So it would say like beat fast and beat slow at the same time, which Mm -hmm. would cause me to have palpitations. And you don't really know. It's kind of something that's hard to detect because a lot of really healthy people can have it. It's like, you know, football player dies of a heart attack on the field. That's like definitely a scenario that happens with people that have Wolf Parkinson, White Syndrome. (laughs) But um, I actually found out about it whenever I was, like, 16. Um, I had been having health issues for a long time, really noticeably since I was about 12. And I um, was just being a dumb teenager. Uh, I remember it snowed. It doesn't snow very, very much here, and it was one year where it actually snowed, and me and some friends were in a hot tub and we were just being dumb and like running out in the snow and jumping back in the hot tub, which caused like this big, you know, change, temperature change. So your body has to adjust. And my, my heart was going crazy. And I experienced this a lot because I played sports growing up. My friends were like, dude, what the heck is that? Cause I could see it like all throughout my body. Cause I was in a bathing suit. They're like, that is not normal. And if you don't do something, if you don't like talk to your parents about this, I will. Oh, wow. And so I did. And then I ended up going to the doctor and they did an EKG on me and told me like a few days later I was going to have to have surgery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So at that point, I was just kind of like relieved to have some sort of answer because I had dealt with. Um, a lot of stuff that had gone undiagnosed since I was 12. So 12 to 16, I was like very ill and didn't have any sort of um, answers. And it was just, that was kind of like a traumatic time just because, um, because they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. I was like kind of treated like I was like, making it up and like I was crazy oh my gosh (laughs) so that was not really good for young me to experience just having like adults um kind of not believe me when I said I was feeling these things and then come to find out I have this illness where I need to have surgery like immediately (laughs) yeah oh wow then 
um, they can't tell how bad it is until they get inside of your heart. And so the messenger that's close to the messenger, it, it basically is determined, the severity is determined by how close your extra messengers are to your main like node type thing that you need. And mine was like right next to it. So a two hour surgery was seven hours. Oh my god! Because they were trying to um, get, remove the other node. And how they do that is by, it's called a catheter ablation. So they had like multiple um, little, they're like these little cameras. And they go in through, there's like, in the groin, there's like um, these art, big arteries. So they did like basically like on my bikini line on each side are these big arteries. So they went in through there and then in through both sides of my neck to get oh. to my heart. And uh, so they basically have these tools on these catheters that burn and freeze and burn and freeze. And which is actually kind of amazing because like, 10 years before I had this surgery, someone else in my family had it and they had to have open heart surgery. So this is like kind of new technology that prevented me from having to be cut completely open, which was amazing. But, and I feel like I'm all over the place trying to explain this. So if I need to no. like reel it in or like kind of summarize a little, little bit better. But after the surgery, I was still feeling really sick and um, came to find out that um, one of the risks of having this surgery was that you could be um, at a higher risk for this kind of complication called um, POTS, which is um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is like a total mouthful. Uh. But basically, it's like kind of really an under-researched um, it's not technically a disease, it's, it's a syndrome, but it's very under-researched and a lot of people have it and it's usually very young people and tends to be young women for some reason and mm -hmm. it can be caused from like any tra trauma to your body, um, like breaking your back or breaking your neck or even childbirth, things like that. So wow. having, having this heart surgery was a tr trauma to my body. So I ended up getting this other syndrome that I will have forever that's chronic and has had a, a lot of, um, it's been hard dealing with that because basically um, it's an autonomic nervous system disorder. So things that should work without conscious thought in your body glitch out in my body. So it's like breathing, eyesight, um, heart rate, stuff with your um, stomach and uh, digestion issues and your um, flight or flight response. So things that just are part of that other part of your nervous system where you don't have to think. It just is activated or works unconsciously, glitches out a lot. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine this because it's like, I don't know, when I think of my relationship with my body, it's like, I just can't imagine having a scenario to where my body just isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. Like these just 
daily functions. That's got to feel so scary. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is definitely scary, but I think that it's gotten, it has gotten a lot better the older that I've gotten. And that is a thing that can occur is that it can get better the older you get. Again, Mm. nobody knows why because it's very under-researched, but I think that it was very hard to deal with in the beginning because, I mean, I remember one time I was putting on my makeup and then my, like, I just couldn't see. My, like, my sight was just gone and I just, like, crouched down to the floor and cried and I was like, I didn't know if it was going to come back or not. I mean, that was, like, at 17 and it it came back and it was just so scary, but. Oh, that makes me want to (laughs) cry just thinking about that because it's, like. Yeah, I mean, I'm real. Honestly, I'm so lucky compared to other people that have to deal with pots because a lot of them can't even get out of bed. And like some of them are in wheelchairs and stuff because they can't they keep passing out all day. And the kind of pots that I have, there's different kinds of pots, which is also not really known. Everybody just kind of like put thinks there's just one way where it's like your heart, you know, beats too fast and you pass out. But yeah. I have this type of pots called hyperadrenalinic. So it's like my adrenaline is connected to it. So I have my body produces like way too much adrenaline. So I was constantly feeling like I was in a state of panic all the time, like very, very anxious, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep for like years, was just like flying by the seat of my pants, just trying to survive and just get through my life and graduate and like go to college and stuff. And it was just like, looking back at it now, I don't know how the, like, I don't know how I did that because it was just like never ending. Yeah. Just like feeling of like, that anxious feeling. And now I only get that every once in a while, but it used to be never ending. And so like, that was one of my worst symptoms, um, chronic nausea and like just getting sick a lot and, um, dizziness. Those were like my worst ones. Oh, wow. Well, so how old did you say you were when this, when you started to kind of learn about this and notice what it was? Well, I was 16 when I had my surgery, didn't really learn much about, didn't get the POTS diagnosis until probably like a year later and kind of had to go into the same shitty pattern of like trying to find answers and having doctors be really just kind of dismissive and, and not cool about it and then I finally was just like fuck this like the older I got I was like I'm gonna start doing this on my own I don't need to keep going to these doctors that don't that don't know about this because it's like very under-researched and understudied so I just started doing my own research and my own studies to kind of figure out what was what information was out there, what doctors actually were like trying to do things about it. And I ended up finding this doctor uh, named Dr. Driscoll. And she was actually had POTS herself and ended up figuring out how to like cure it. So I consumed a lot of her stuff. So, I mean, and even though POTS is like really under research, it's not uncommon. Tons of people have POTS. And I think that's what's so 
kind of devastating about it is that it just comes quickly and it completely ruins people's lives. Like they'll be fine one day and, you know, it can be something as simple, like getting in a car wreck and then you have this disease forever. Oh. And it's just like, it just oh my. breaks my heart for these people that like are having to go through the, the experience that I did where it's just like, you feel completely help, like hopeless. Like there is nobody that can give you any answers. Like I was like a human pincushion for years and never got anywhere until I started doing my own research. And I remember um, towards the end of my college education, I got this internship and I was the sickest I had ever been at that point um, and was still like halfway functioning. I mean, I was like, I know I'm a tall girl, like I'm like five, seven, and I should be like 130 pounds minimum, probably 125. And I was like 110 pounds. Oh, wow. Because I just couldn't eat anything. I would just throw up everything I ate because my body was just like rejecting it because my GI system and the pot stuff was just so, so bad. And, um, so like, I was like literally losing my hair, like my hair was coming out. I remember one day I was like calling my mom and I was so upset and I, uh, had noticed when I was trying to braid my hair that there was a big chunk of it missing. And I was just like, I lost it. And I was like, I've got to stop just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing myself. I've got to figure out what is going on and, and actually get better because my entire life from the time from 12 until I was in my early 20s was just endure and get through. Man. Oh, Sid, I just, I can't imagine how you felt during all this. Like, you are such a badass human being. (laughs) Just what you said about, like, realizing these doctors don't know what they're talking about, so you just took this into your own hands and I was like, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to find someone who does. Like, that is so brave and so just like taking ownership of your life and stuff because this is I don't know this is like really I want to say this is really hard stuff but like of course it is I just wow what did like what do you remember I guess feeling when you first were learning about this and getting through it like were you feeling like angry frustrated probably a lot of stuff I'm assuming oh I was angry all the time and recently I've kind of had to come to terms with that where I'm like why is my first emotion always anger like why am I so angry and you wouldn't think about that by looking at me because I'm come across as this well as far as what my friends say is this like really like calm and level-headed person but internally I am like my first emotion is anger and I have to like count to 10 and like think about things more rationally. But I realized recently that the reason why I am like that is because that's how I had to survive for the, all of those years. The only way that I knew that I wouldn't just completely give up was if I stayed angry. Wow. I couldn't be sad because I knew if I was sad, it was over. Oh my gosh. So I was just constantly furious. (laughs) How did you kind of like cope with that? Like what ways, how do you get through? I mean, honestly, I think that I just took it 
moment by moment. I couldn't even take it day by day. It was like moment by moment, just get through. Just get through the next hour. Just get through the next hour, like every day. Mm -hmm. And like now that I'm in a, a time where... I have gotten some time to to heal and I'm not dealing with the sheer like magnitude of those symptoms like I have them I still deal with it and I still get sick and I still have to like cancel on people and and say like this came up or whatever but it's nothing it's not even a tenth of what it used to be and so I every day that I wake up and I'm not in pain and I'm not dizzy and I don't feel like I'm going to jump out of my skin and I'm not nauseous I am like so thankful I mean one of the ways that I had to cope after because I was in school I had a year left and I did this internship and that was when I was like okay enough is enough I'm gonna have to like take a a gap year or wait because like I need to focus on my health I can't just keep pushing myself because I am pushing myself into the ground Mm. because that's what that was kind of my my mentality was just keep going keep going keep going keep going like stay so angry at you know all of this shit that it fuels you to keep going and like create a better life for yourself and it got to the point where it was just like this isn't helping me this is hurting me I need to take a step back and reevaluate some things and ended up finding out I needed to have this other kind of unrelated surgery because I was having this like constant horrible pain in my head. And then oh. I went to a couple of doctors during God the time. <laughs> I know I've just got all these weird issues, but I went to oh. the doctor and uh, he was like, it was one of those things where I was, this is when I was doing my internship, I was trying to like start to like find more answers about things and um, went to several different doctors before and had to go through the same thing. Like, okay, we're going to um, take a picture and then we'll let you know. And then I would just go to, they'd refer me to another doctor and then the cycle. And finally I like went one day and at this point I was so dizzy that I couldn't even drive. So my mom came with me and I was sitting in there and the guy told me the same thing that the other doctors had told me. And I lost my shit. I was like, I am not leaving this office until you look up in there. I am not leaving until you look. Wow. And he did. And then he, he told me, I don't even have to have a, a, a scan. Like, I'm gonna, I can tell you you have to have surgery. And I'm really sorry. Oh, my goodness. I can't even, like, I feel like it sounds like it was just, like, thing after thing after thing with you. Yeah, it it's was. It's just got to be exhausting. It was definitely exhausting and... Sometimes I look back at it and I'm like, how the actual hell? <laughs> like, how? And I, and I really do think it was because I'm just too stubborn to, like, let it beat me. Yeah. Oh, no. That, that, that just that makes a lot of sense. It's like, I don't know. I just, I, I'm thinking of, like, my story. I've, I, just, I just can't imagine. That. On top of, like, everything else in the world, I think that makes it so hard for us to be inside of our body and to connect with ourselves and to like just survive. I just like that extra thing on top of it just seems like you're just a very, very badass person, which I said earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Oh my goodness. Uh, It's just weird. Like life is weird. Like I went to school, had these plans, got really sick, had to stop. But 
when I had that period of time where I had to have those surgeries and then I had a really long recovery time of like a year of barely being able to like, I like went downhill as soon as I kind of like lost that momentum of like, keep going, keep going, keep going. It just like went and, you know, had to kind of start all over again at trying to like rebuild up my body and build up my health. And it was like over a year of just being kind of stuck in the house and, dealing with all this stuff but it gave me it gave me some gifts like I started writing music I'd never really done that before and it kind of made me understand my I don't know my love for it in a new way like I've always loved music and I've always turned to that for peace and for healing and it was just Mm -hmm. like kind of amazing to realize that I could turn to it in a new way that was helpful for me but also a way that I could use to connect to other people and music music to me has always been this like really healing thing that was the great uniter and so to be able to even halfway participate in this art was just such a huge gift to my you know, soul that gave me this kind of affirmation to like keep going. Yeah. Wait, how old were you when you started music? I didn't start, I did not sing in front of another living soul until I was like probably 18 or 19. And I got a guitar around that time. And I didn't actually start writing anything or doing anything musically until I was like 23 Mm. or 24. Wow. How did that kind of like come about? Did it just, you just kind of discovered this, I guess, piece that you loved in it? Or what did that look like? Well, I always loved singing and I would just sing other music. And that was something that I don't know why, but it was like after I got done singing, it just felt like whatever like tension or anxiety that was in me like left through my literal breath of singing. Like it was just out. And I still feel like that after I sing. I feel like I've like a thousand pounds has left my body. And then after I had my surgery, I lost my voice. Oh, so no. I lost like the one thing <laughs> that made me feel happy, which is like oh. the people listening to this are probably like, oh, my God, like this person's ridiculous. But oh no, I feel almost embarrassed about telling my whole story because it's just so like, what the like, what is this? But oh, it's like been... it was my life. But yeah, any... no, you're such a fighter. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, not being able to sing. Um, for that period of time where I was kind of stuck in my bed and, you know, my whole life stopped. Like I was going to school and, you know, about to graduate with this good degree and had a, a bright future ahead of me and then had all this this shit just kind of completely changed my, my course in life. And I think it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it gave me the, t- the time that a lot of people don't get where you have nothing you are not nobody was like expecting anything from me during that time other than to heal myself and so I was like inwardly healing a lot of things too and kind of like asking these questions like trying to figure out what opinions and thoughts and beliefs that I had that were actually mine 
or were because of my what my parents wanted me to believe or because of what society wanted me to believe I was trying to like really and I like visualize it as like I had all these little blocks out of place and I was just like each block I would like line up into a straight line and I'm still trying to do that now especially with you know everything going on in the world with all of these insane injustices and violence towards people of color and looking inward and trying to figure out how I can be an ally and anti-racist and look at the things that need to be looked at within myself in order to be able to be that way. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is very beautifully said. I just, it's crazy how our stories can like, I don't know, just change everything. change everything for us and like the lens we see the world and the lens we see other people's stories and it just builds so much I want to say it builds so much like compassion and empathy and like oh yeah it's just like we need these we need these things as hard as it is it yeah and I think that we're all given these sort of things to go through in life like the things that you've had to go through the things that I've had to go through um kind of equip us with the ability to help other people go through the same things, which I am so grateful for to, to have, I mean, I would not wish this upon anyone, but I am grateful that I experienced it for the, like, at least to be able to connect to people in a deeper way that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thinking back on on your story and growing up and whatnot, do you feel like, or what other things do you feel like kind of impacted, whether positively or negatively, the way you can connect with yourself and the relationship with your body and whatnot? I think it was kind of strange, and I've had this conversation with some friends before where um, when I was... A teenager and when I was a preteen was when I was experiencing the bulk of a lot of this um, this illness and uncertainty. And so because I was so consumed with how my body worked and why it wasn't, I really did not think about, I don't think I had the capacity to think that much about how I looked. Oh, wow. Which I think was a blessing. Yeah. So it's like, I feel when I think about my body, um, I really think about it as this thing that is allowing me to be mobile and be vocal and do whatever I need to do while I'm here on this earth. And I think that is why I had a lot of anger towards it because I had all these things that I wanted to be able to do and say and be and I felt as if my physical body was limiting me because it wasn't working properly Mm. oh man yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense when did like do you feel like there was some kind of shift or something in your story where I guess you kind of because I don't know, how, how would you say it's different now versus back then? Even just in like noticing yourself and 
what that feels like? Um, I think that I have a lot more grace and appreciation for my body when before I kind of viewed it as a curse. Ah, okay. Did like something happen in the middle of, I guess, your journey and your fight with, with that, that kind of shifted that perspective or did it just kind of happen naturally? I think that whenever I was that period of time when I had to stop going to school and was, came back and lived with my family and was, I was recovering and having to deal with a lot of, because, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this because you're a very, like, busy person most of the time. When you have those moments where you're not busy anymore, it's like all of this shit creeps into your mind that wasn't before. Mm. And so I was like, all of a sudden, I was forced to be still and look at myself every day. And I didn't want to hate myself or my body anymore. I wanted to be on the same side. I wanted to be on the same team. Because also I knew that we were on the same team, um, ultimately. And I also went to therapy and talked about things in there. And that, I mean, I am so pro-therapy. I, w- I would be in therapy my whole life if I could. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was a big, a big change. And I also just started consuming a lot of, you know, material that would help me kind of be able to to think about things differently um, as far as like how to actually be a healthy and loving person towards myself and Mm -hmm. which ultimately makes you more healthy and loving towards other people. Um, So I just started reading and trying to learn as much as possible and then going to therapy and not being afraid to be wrong or you know, just open to growing. Yeah. And it was really shitty and painful, but it was <laughs> yeah. helpful ultimately, which I know you understand because you just had to go through this in, oh, man. in a different way, but uh, you understand. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Just what you said about like that being still for a moment. Like, I feel like so much of my life and my story has been like, intentionally trying to stay busy to kind of avoid that stillness because it's so uncomfortable and because it forces me to notice myself in just things about me that I'm afraid of or things that have like happened or I don't know it just that stillness is really uncomfortable but that stillness is so incredibly important to shift our perspectives and to just shift our relationships with ourselves and grow us and stretch us in all the right ways as painful as it can be. And I don't know, whenever people talk about their stories, I feel like whenever there's a moment, I guess, like you said, of that stillness and of that, like it kind of just catches up and you sit with yourself for a minute. I get really excited because that's like where everything happens. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so therapy. So you're very pro therapy, you're saying, which I am absolutely as well. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's, it's I mean, obviously you are as well, and I think that it's very important to get a trusted outside perspective on yourself because there are things that we believe about ourselves, positive or negative, that are just not accurate. 
Mm-hmm. And it is important to have people in your life that are either unbiased or that you trust completely to be able to kind of, you know, guide you and steer you in a, in a direction towards the truth of who you are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's like, I don't even know. I, I'm remembering, I started going to therapy uh well, I guess I originally went when I was a teenager, but I hated it, and it didn't actually stick until um, January of last year when I started seeing the the lady I see now, and she's the dream, the absolute dream. And just having that space where it's just like to just honestly process and to have someone see you and the ability to like let someone see you and let someone into all that stuff is just – and then like being able to continue showing up – it's such a huge deal. Have you like learned anything or any like I guess helpful strategies or helpful I don't know, helpful things from from your experience with therapy that you'd want to share? Uh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the most important things and I don't think I actually learned this from therapy, but it was definitely uh reinstilled there, but is gratefulness. I mean, the thing that when I felt out of control and when I felt miserable and I felt hopeless, those days where I was just like, "There, this is never going to change. Like, I'm never going to stop feeling this way. I would look over to my bedside table and notice that I had a glass of water and I would just have to like get as basic as that. Like, I have running water. I have roof, roof over my head and like I have my family's healthy, my family's safe, um, you know, all these different things just to kind of feel peace and like it sounds like woo-woo but (laughs) it is very helpful and then also positive affirmations because I learned that because of going through this experience as a child where I had um you know a lot of adults people that you're taught to trust kind of telling me that I was making all this stuff up and it was all in my head and that it was anxiety and all these different things like it it developed OCD so I like had this intense doubt about myself because I was constantly kind of being like gaslit Mm. and um as a child with with these doctors and stuff and so it um I realized that through therapy and, and part of combating that is just to have these affirmations about yourself and I'll just go through them, you know, and sometimes they're just like as simple as like, you're, you are like, I am loving, I am kind, like things like that. They just like make you remember who you are when you feel disconnected or Mm. when you feel like if you're in some sort of, you know, with, with OCD, you feel out of control a lot. So that, that just kind of makes me feel, or you feel a need for control of your environment in some way, whether that's like, you know, cleaning or whatever, like there's multiple kinds of OCD and mine was more, and it started off being this kind of physical thing. And then it turned out to be more like internal and in my head because I got through the, 
the compulsions, but I still have times where I'm like, did I leave the stove on or like things like that when I didn't at all. And I'll have to like turn around and come back home and make sure I didn't leave the stove on the stove on. Oh. It's just crazy shit. Okay. I've done that so many times. Oh my God. I didn't know anybody yeah. Said that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I haven't I touched even the cook. stove at all, <laughs> but it's just like oh. these weird, like doubt things that you have with yourself where you just like fear the worst. But I mean, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole now, but basically just to like, combat feelings of hopelessness and feeling and feelings of not being you know feeling safe or in control because I did not feel safe in my own body because it was like attacking itself so I definitely had to go through these these affirmations to just feel sane and that is what brought me towards music ultimately is that I was just trying to to be sane and like when I lost my voice I started writing because I couldn't sing anymore so I just started writing things Mm -hmm. and it was so like good for my soul like holy shit I am so grateful that I've got a like avenue to sort of like express these things and transmute them into something that I can look at and, and, and enjoy and other people can enjoy versus just having it like boil inside me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Having that outlet to be able to just, just process in some kind of creative way, what's going on in your mind and your body is like the most helpful thing in the world. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned this a little bit a second ago, but I was going to ask you if you consider, or I guess like how you feel about your body being like a safe place for you right now, whether that's like physically or emotionally or how you feel about that. Um, I mean, now I've, I mean, I have moments where I feel, you know, go back to that feeling of feeling trapped in my body because that's definitely how I felt a lot growing up was just like, I am trapped in this, in this body that doesn't work. And that is, you know, constantly causing me grief and pain. And the older I got, I still, I mean, I still, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't still have days and moments that I feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I ultimately do feel a lot better in my body and I, and I try to be grateful for it because, um, it's worked really hard to get me this far. Yeah. Wow. That just shows a lot. Just seeing the way you said that just shows a lot about like the kind of work that you've done and the amount of time you've let yourself in just be in that stillness and stuff. It's really incredible to hear. Do you have anything that you would want to say to someone who is maybe at the beginning of like a somewhat similar journey that you went on in some kind of way that maybe feels like alone in it or just isolated or different or like, I guess, what would you say to maybe like young Sid or something? <laughs> Little baby Sid. Um, to young me or to people who are experiencing some of the things, uh, experiencing chronic illness or mysterious or invisible illnesses um I would say believe in yourself and trust your gut on things like don't let people tell you that they know your body more than you do that you don't know and trust so 
I would just say have hope, believe in yourself, and you are never actually alone. There's always someone else that is on the other side of it or, you know, right there with you. So just we are living in an age where you can find so many groups of people and community online and you can find your people and you can find answers. You do not have to rely on a system that's failing you. You can do the work yourself and find people that actually know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it takes a lot sometimes, like from my experience, to like wade through the people who don't know what they're talking about to get to the good ones. Unfortunately. But they're there. Yeah. And yeah. like with things like with mental health and, and invisible illnesses, things that you don't look sick, you know, like people don't look at me and say like that girl's had heart surgery, that girl is sick because I don't look like a, like a, in quotes, sick person. But um, I think that's another thing, like as just a, to be aware of is that you don't know what's going on with people just by looking mm. at them. You have no idea. Like I would have never known that you were battling an eating disorder. So yeah. it's, it's important to to just be kind to your fellow humans because you don't know. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they've just had to endure or what they're enduring in the moment. And that's something I have to remind myself of a lot because there's times where, like, I am having a day where I feel like shit and I am, like, my patience is thin and I'm not my best self. And I have to, like, remember that, like, hey, like, you can't just, like – you have to still be on top of this. And there's moments where, I mean, it's hard to be like composed and contained all the time when you're in a lot of pain as well. So mm-hmm. it's just a difficult balance. And it's something I'm still learning. It's something I'm still kind of adapting with. Like I had a rehearsal before the shit hit the fan where I was just like in a really bad mood because I was just had been having a bad flare-up for days and days and days wasn't getting enough sleep and was just not in my best finest state and it was important for me to a like own make my people that I know aware of that so that they know what's going on with me and also realize that I don't have to be in my perfect optimal condition in order to be worthy of love yeah oh man I feel like I want to just like kind of soak in the last thing you said. I need to, oh my gosh. Goodness. Do you feel like this is like a more, um, or do you feel like you are pretty comfortable talking about this with like inner circle of people to where like you can let them know if you're having a bad day or if something specific's going on, whether that's like mental health or I guess physical health type stuff lately? Yeah. Um, my band, for sure, I have such a good group of people around me and, and all of my, you know, close friends. Like, if I'm having, if we're together, we have to do something, I will just straight up say, like, I'm having a bad health day. And they'll just know. And I'm, you know, very fortunate to have people in my life that are very understanding and compassionate towards me when I have to, like, cancel things because of because I'm ill or you know, things like that. So I'm just, you know, very grateful for my, you know, friends and 
my family and my bandmates because they're just very, very kind and loving and understanding people. Yeah, that's awesome. That's something that I struggle with so much, not because people aren't receptive to it really, more so just like I feel like I have to be okay all the time in order for people to like be comfortable and like hang and I don't know. And so I've been working a lot on that lately of like if I'm having a day where I'm feeling like insane anxiety or depression or I don't know. Lately, it's been more anxiety than depression because, oh, my gosh, the world's nuts. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to work on being better about just kind of speaking my needs and speaking up for that and like letting people know if maybe I do just need to stay home and that's okay, and to know that like. I'm still worthy and lovable and all that stuff in that. And so, I don't know. I just, I I feel inspired by you saying all that. <laughs> oh, good. It's helpful. But yeah. I understand, though. There's There had to have been something that happened to you that made you feel like you weren't good enough unless you were perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a whole, and that whole story. that happened to me, too. So, there's a reason why we think the way that we do, but, and it goes back to that thing. I can't remember who said this. She, she's like a very famous writer. She wrote the, um, what is it? I can't remember how to be a badass or something, or you are a badass. I can't remember her name, but she mm. said something along the lines of like, you aren't responsible for the shit that happened to you when you were a child or like growing up and stuff, but you are responsible for how it makes you as an adult. So it's like, it's easy. We can recognize the, the point of time that caused a behavior to form or, you know, the repeated offenses that caused a pattern to form, but you have to use it as an uh, um, explanation versus an excuse. Mm. So then you can kind of be able to look at these things and understand them and grow from them. And this is just one of those things that I like, I have to look back and be like, okay, this, it's not my, this situation that happened that made me feel this way is not, you know, my fault, but I need to like look at it and realize and reaffirm in myself that I am worthy of love without being in ideal conditions like it's not conditional and it you know it comes from I think it stems from having some experience in your life where you had a very conditioned love by somebody so it's like I think that's something that's really hard when you do have a mental health issue or you do have a uh, chronic health issue you feel a lot of shame around it because it you can view it as like, it's a letdown. It's a bummer. I don't want to like ruin people's day or time or whatever, but the people in your life that, you know, care about you are still going to care about you when you have a bad day and when you have, you know, issues with anxiety or your physical health, like those people are going to, you know, be understanding in the days that they get frustrated, like, I try to have grace for that too and understand like I'd be frustrated too if I was excited about like seeing my friend and they can't come. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. My gosh, I'm like feeling so excited right now just to promote this <laughs> podcast because I'm like, you're saying so many good things. I feel like I'm just rambling and it's like all out of order. So I hope you can like edit it and make it make sense. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's, I edit. It's like five minutes long. No, <laughs> no, this is this is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful, Sid. I have one last question for you, and it's a little bit of a change of pace. So just bear with me here, okay? Um, okay, okay. So I had what I was going to ask, and I kind of half lost it. So it might be different than my original <laughs> thought, but would you rather, <laughs> would you rather every single time you sneezed, wait, do you know, I don't know if they have this in Nashville. Is Sonic a place in Tennessee? The place yes, like, definitely. Okay. America's like, drive through Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been to one since I lived in Colorado. <laughs> Okay, would you rather every time you sneezed, someone working at Sonic on rollerblades fell down <laughs> on their rollerblades? Oh, no. <laughs> they were fine. They didn't get hurt. It was just kind of like a really funny situation for whoever they were delivering their food to. Or have a personal assistant that was a raccoon that was really good at his job but smelled really bad, and it was kind of awkward when you were like hanging out with your music people and he shows up to bring you your lunch. He's a great assistant, but he's just kind of like, he's just real smelly. I think I could deal with the raccoon. I could look over some smells, you know? I don't want anyone yeah. to get hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'd have an assistant. I need an assistant. I wish I had an assistant. <laughs> I wish I was that kind of person that could like have someone being like, here's what you do today. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being Amazing. like, what is my life? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm sure every Sonic employee is going to thank you after this if anyone's oh listening to this podcast. I have actually witnessed someone um, fall at Sonic on rollerblades and they they actually kicked my dad's car <gasps> and dented it and my dad got out, got out and helped them get up and then g- oh. gave them an extra tip and that was like a big, that was like when I was a little kid and I was like, oh, you're a good guy, dad. You're a good guy, dad. Good job, Dad. That's yeah. amazing. I was like, that story could have taken a different turn. No, he was like, handled it so kindly. And uh, it made me realize that was like one of those big moments of, of childhood where you are like, you know, people are way, people and their safety are way more important than a ding in a car or damage to property. Yeah, absolutely, man. I don't know what my original would you rather question was going to be. I had one like, at the beginning of the podcast, and I don't remember what I was going to ask. So I'm sure this one was way better. So that was good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's like all we did during the weird, awkward, silent meals at treatment. We'd have to sit there for 30 minutes. In silence? Well, we didn't have to be silent. We were supposed to talk. But, like, when I first got there, I was in residential treatment where it was, oh, I'll have to tell you about it another time. But it was a whole different universe and we would all sit around this table staring at food we all have eating disorders so we're all just like yeah what the hell are they trying to do to us here yeah (laughs) no one's saying anything we had to sit there for 30 minutes it was timed so I would just start pulling out these random would you rather questions to everyone around me and it became like the thing at treatment was would you rather questions so thank you for humoring me (laughs) yeah it was good it was good to end on that because I feel like that was just a lot of information. I think that's partially yeah. why I don't tell my stories because it's just like you think it's over and it's like, and then this happened and people are like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, no. <laughs> like, so I feel like embarrassed to even talk about it because it's just too much. Oh, too no, much, I mean, too many things, you know, it's just too many things. Yeah. Not, it's not 
concise enough, and I need to get better at making it more concise. No, that makes me sad. You're such a <laughs> sad. That makes me so sad that you feel embarrassed about it. You such a power. It's such a powerful story, and it's such a unique story. And I just, I don't know. I just, I'm real. I'm honored to hear it, and I'm so thankful that you shared it to where whoever's listening to this podcast can hear it too. Because I think that, I don't know. It's a really important story, and. I learned a lot just from listening. And just like like I said earlier, dude, you're a badass. And just the perseverance you have through it and like how you talk about, I guess, your relationship with yourself today and what that looks like. It's just, it's really cool. So thank you very, very much for sharing all that here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And, you know, it's been nice getting to follow along with your journey and, and see the things that you're doing to have a better relationship with your own, you know, mind and body and soul and all of those things. It's very important. And it's good to have people that are brave enough to be open about it so that people who that isn't their, you know, thing that they want to be, they don't want to talk about it, but they want someone to connect to. Like, yeah, you're that person for these other, you know, men and women that are dealing with the same thing, but don't really feel comfortable, you know, sharing it but want to feel like they have something, some kind of, you know, community or connection or just feeling like they're not alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm, like, remembering before... Before I went to treatment, I didn't talk about it very much. I just called it, like, food stuff. Some of my best <laughs> friends were like, food I didn't... Stuff. Just food stuff. They were like... I didn't even know you had an eating disorder. You just said food stuff sometimes. And I was like, is that literally all I said? <laughs> but I was like, that's just what I called it. Just food um, stuff. Yes, yeah, casual. But I just remember seeing people, I don't know, in this and then in like other mental health worlds just talk about talk about that kind of thing. And it you're right, it does make you feel less alone when you are too I guess too I don't know. I want to say too scared to talk about, but it's not even that. It's just like, just not ready, I think. Yeah. And some people, that's just not their, their thing, you know, like I'm not really the type of person that can even do that or, or has felt like inclined to do that. I'm glad that I had this, like this platform and able to be able to talk about things for the sheer purpose of like, having at least one person hear this that has had to go through some invisible illness or POTS or anything like that can be like, oh, she's like, okay now. Maybe I'll be okay one day too. And I realize that's really important. But some people that's just like, they don't, they want to like have it be in the past. They don't want to think about it, but they also want to have solidarity. So, I mean, we we need all kinds of people, you know? We need all kinds of people. Not like not everybody has to be like doing all the stuff, but thank God to the people that are. Yeah. Oh, totally, man. Well, if anyone wanted to follow you along on on your music journey and just follow you on social media, how how could people find you? Um, I have um, an Instagram. I have a Facebook page. I rarely, very rarely am on Facebook, but at Sid Greenwood Music, C Y D. Greenwood music. My parents give me a really bizarre spelling. So I, I never have keychains or mugs with my name on it. Oh no. We're gonna make you one. I'm gonna hand make you one. Uh, it's just <laughs> hilarious. But I, I mean I was actually um I love the spelling now, but when I was a kid it was kind of like 
girl with the weird, like, why can't you spell your name right, kid? I'm like, this is how it's spelled. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Well, I'll put that in the show notes below if anyone wants to follow along with your incredible journey and hear your very, very amazing music. So thank you again so much for everything that you had to say and for being on this podcast and sharing your story and just being the human being that you are. I'm so happy to have you as a friend. And we're going to hang out eventually when all this pandemic mumbo jumbo. <laughs> just <laughs> just stops just pandemicking, you know? It just stops pandemicking, you know. Uh, once quarantine decides to just not be a thing anymore, I'm very excited to hang out with you and go do all the things. But hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Sid, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you so much. so much for listening to today's podcast. If you want to support me in this podcast journey and get more involved in what we're doing here at the Unity Project, then go check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Jackie G TV to support and get involved. It's because of the people over there and all of you listening that I'm able to do any of these things and have these really important conversations. If you want to hear more about my story and learn about just kind of my process and my journey with my body and discovering more about who I am, then go check out my book. You can pick up a copy of that. It's called Finding Home at my website, JackieGromland.com. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.